You're listening to Wealth Tech on Deck, a podcast about the future of wealth management technology, brought to you by Life Yield. Here's your host, Jack Sherry. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Wealth Tech on Deck. Today, we will speak with someone who provides strategic and practical guidance to some of the largest tech platforms in the advisory space, as well as some pretty interesting startups. Craig Iskowitz is a business and technology strategy consultant who is a recognized expert on fee-based advisory platforms and wealth management technology. He is the founder and CEO of Ezra Group, a strategy consulting firm providing tech and business advice to banks, broker-dealers, asset managers, private equity, and fintech firms. Craig also publishes Wealth Tech Today. His blog offers insights on technology for wealth, asset, and investment management professionals. And he is the host of Wealth Tech Today podcast, which is where he discusses the latest news and trends in wealth management technology. Craig, welcome to Wealth Tech on Deck. Jack, it is... An honor and a pleasure to be here talking to you today. I think you might have been one of the first people I talked to way back when, when we started Lifefield, as I'm thinking back to way back when. It was. I I think I was the first person you talked to. (laughs) Probably. So, Craig, let's start with you telling us about the Ezra Group. What kind of firms do you work with? What kind of issues do you help these firms address? Fill us in. Thanks, Jack. Uh, You covered a little bit of it, but we work primarily with uh, three types of companies. So, half of our business is working with wealth management firms. Broker-dealers, large RIAs, TAMPs, asset managers, anyone with technology. We are only in the wealth and asset management space. We don't have a construction arm and a healthcare arm. This is all we do. We love it. All of our consultants have decades of experience just in this space. The other half of our business, besides wealth management firms, are wealth management vendors. So the vendors that sell software to wealth management firms. So firms you know like Investment, Morningstar, Orion, Riskalyze, Persian. So it gives us a really good 360-degree view of the market, seeing inside the vendors and also seeing working with their clients. And then the third group is uh, PE firms often come to us when they're making acquisitions, and we do a lot of due diligence, either for technology on the wealth management firms they're looking to acquire or on the product uh, roadmaps, greenfields of the technology firms they're looking to acquire. Tell us about your backstory. How did you get started in our industry? What are some of the things you've learned along the way? You've been at this for a while. That's an excellent question, Jack. I have a degree in computer science. So I started out as a programmer. Back in college, we used to call ourselves hackers, when hackers was a good term. Hackers used to be, <laughs> we used to be the good guys. Then we, then hackers yeah. became the bad guys. And so degree in computer science, started out programming. And I worked for a company called ADP, which everyone knows as payroll. But they actually, in the 80s, started buying up market data vendors and became the largest provider of real-time market data systems in the industry. We were the first PC-based market data software in the industry, which now, of course, is ubiquitous. You can get a free quote on Yahoo or any other website. But back then, you had to pay. If you wanted a quote, you had to call your broker, and he would go to a Quotron terminal, like in trading places with frozen concentrated orange juice. He would type in IBM or whatever on the green screen, and he would look up a quote. Or you waited till the next day till the Wall Street Journal came out, and you looked at the paper. So we were selling real-time market data. But I got out of that. I did that for 10 years. That firm eventually became the back office part of it, became Broadridge Financial. Okay. So I still know a lot of people over there. But I became a consultant a long time ago, and we've been doing nothing but broker-dealer systems, uh, software for a lot of wealth management firms, sometimes around the world. And I started Ezra Group in 2005. So this is our 18th year in business and to do wealth, to focus solely on wealth management, wealth and asset management. And you know, that's really how I got to where we are and then just kept going and you know, a lot of referrals and a lot of working with different vendors and 
started out building the first project I, I worked on was building a portfolio rebalancing engine, which everybody's familiar with, you know, helping yeah. design and build that from scratch. And then I was hooked in, in, in wealth and asset management, and we've, and we've done nothing else since then. That's great. That's great. So how's your business going? It's, it seems to be growing and solid everywhere I turn. You seem to be there. You seem to work with some big names in our industry that are – and I'm also kind of curious, what's the split between sort of new stuff and kind of remedying old stuff, if you will? All good questions, Jack. So business is great. <clears throat> it's never been better. We're, you know, actually, you know, the COVID year actually kind of gave us a big boost. I think a lot of firms, some firms stopped their business. We had, we had a couple large broker-dealer clients that put everything on hold. But then this huge upswelling of other business came out where firms saw it as an opportunity to leapfrog the competition or they saw opportunity with the shutdowns and, and how things were changing. So since then, we've really been going gangbusters the last three years. You know, it's, it's really very evenly split between our, our wealth management clients. And we work with firms like Advisor Group, LPL, Cetera, and all down to Usually five billion and up RIAs are our smallest firms, but large ones from that. So it's going pretty well, I have to say. And again, the fact that we are everywhere is more of our marketing prowess, not our necessarily yeah. our, our technical yeah. prowess. But you know, you have to be out there marketing to let everyone know that we're here. And we go up against some pretty big vendors, some pretty big other consulting firms, and we usually win because this is all we do, right? So we yeah. don't bring yeah. in a bunch of MBAs who then you pay us three hundred dollars an hour to teach them your business. We've got people who did what you do and have lived in hands-on a lot of the work, whether it's deploying enterprise software or it's um, optimizing tech stacks. And we're experts from end to end, whether it's from a marketing system, digital marketing to onboarding to portfolio rebalancing, trading, billing statements, everything uh, the advisor business touches from middle back office is where we focus. What are some of the trends you're seeing in terms of, and that, that covers the waterfront, but is, are there any areas you're seeing more of, less of, and also leading to where do you think the world's going? In other words, what is it that you're working on that I'm assuming part of it is to fix whatever issues are from legacy issues and what have you, and then? Oh, you asked another question. I missed that. You said, was it new or legacy? There's a lot of tech debt out there, technical debt, right? So when you're a legacy firm, you naturally, your tech debt expands. Yeah, and yeah. whether you're a wealth management firm, you've been around for more than a year, you're going to have tech, some sort of tech debt. Of course, yeah. most of the firms we work with have been around 10, 20, 30 years or longer, meaning they have a lot of tech debt, which often comes from acquisitions when they're yep. buying up other companies and they don't necessarily turn off the systems that they acquire. They let everything run and then they wind up with duplication and overlap and, and lots of other issues. So older systems is often things we work a lot on. But we also deploy, in fixing older systems, sometimes we can optimize them. Sometimes we have to replace them. So when we replace them, we're replacing them with new. So it's a good mix of both. We also are often on the cutting edge of new technology. Because we work with a lot of, of the wealth tech firms as well, we do a lot of product strategy, product roadmap, competitive analysis work for them. So we're really in tune with our ear to the ground on what's coming, what new products and features they're looking at. Firms will come to us like uh, Pershing, came to us last year to help uh, validate their strategy for what now is called the Pershing Wove platform, yes, which is their new yes. multi-custody platform. And we thought they were they were definitely on track, and they've done a fantastic job executing. They just launched the, the, the first version, which went from employee number one to first version in under 20 months. So it's certainly a, a great accomplishment for Bank of New York and Pershing. Phil, us a little bit on Wove. I just saw the announcement Pershing has the conference as we're doing this podcast. Talk a little bit about that. It really look fascinating. I want to dig in a little bit. Maybe you can give some sense of what it is. So it is a multi-custodial wealth management platform, an end-to-end 
platform. And we don't really have a lot of those. There aren't a lot of enterprise-grade platforms out there. Mm-hmm. So we're always, mm-hmm. we're always excited to see more competition in the space and more products. So it's basically something that's going to, that's, they, they believe will compete with other firms in the space that are selling enterprise-grade software that's running broker-dealers, running RIAs, running the wealth mm-hmm. management firm's core portfolio management systems. I imagine you continue to work with them because they, they have a pretty big agenda. We've had Ainsley Simmons on the show here before. You mm-hmm. seem to have a pretty big appetite for making this really a, a platform of the future. Of course, yeah. I mean, Pershing already offers all these technologies just in, much, you know, in a tech-deady kind of way, right? Their, their platform sure, sure. Has, was old, but it's, it's also a sign that you are successful. When you are a successful vendor, you're going to gain lots of clients, and they're going to want you to keep things the way they are. So your technology, sure. as you gain market share, gets old. So by definition, mm-hmm. you now have a legacy platform, and you have a large group of clients who want you to fix it. So you right. spend more and more of your budget fixing and doing a punch list for your existing clients rather than building innovative new solutions. So it's very rare mm-hmm. for a company to do what Pershing did, which is create a separate business unit that's not integrated with the rest of the company and say, here, go at it, build something new. Mm-hmm. So that's what we really like about it. And it's got all the, all the capabilities. One of what's yeah. also nice about what they're doing is they're starting with a lot of partnerships, integrations from the start. So they're integrating, they made an equity investment in conquest planning for financial planning, and that's going to be integrated. So we like to see tightly integrated financial planning tools with portfolio management rather than swivel chairing back and forth. Sure. So that's sure. a great solution. They're building it on top of Allbridge, which is one of the, the industry leading multi-custodial uh, reporting tools. So that gives mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. a lot of capabilities right off the bat. Of course, they'll be your, be your normal middle office types of systems, trading, rebalancing, reporting, billing, servicing, compliance, and you know, there'll be an investor portal. So you know, it's going to have an, be an end-to-end solution for wealth management firms. So they seem, frankly, rare in terms of taking on that, making that kind of big bet, you know, smart bet in my estimation, but uh, making mm-hmm. a big bet. How do you strike the balance with firms, those legacy firms with the tech debt? How do you advise them? Because people like it the way it's been. They don't want it to yeah. change, except they want it to change in a way that doesn't change the experience, but changes the outcome or, the, you know, ultimately what they draw from the platform. So how do you strike that balance as you're working with your clients? It's tough, Jack, I have to tell you, because there's a lot of ingrained interests in the status quo. Sure, sure. And you really have to convince them that it's in their best interest to think outside the box and look at yep. new opportunities that maybe don't have a well-defined revenue model. Yep. Because they're yep. new. If it's new software or new ideas, if it's that new and that differentiated, it won't be easy to quantify. So you've got to take some of these moonshots if you're going to keep pace because there's a hundred other or a thousand other firms out there that are just starting up that have newer technology, newer tools, and can build a lot of what you're doing now much cheaper and quicker, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they're going to start eating your lunch. So you need to start thinking about that and pushing back a little bit on your existing client base. I know it's going to be tough, yeah, but yeah, yeah. maybe what they want isn't what the new clients are going to be wanting two or three or five years. One of the things that I know you see and we certainly see is this move toward the more advanced or more evolved platform. With all the bells and whistles, not like Pershing X is a good example of from the get-go. They were going out to build a comprehensive advice mm-hmm. platform, wealth management platform. Talk about that trend. Where do you see it in process? Because it seems to be in process. We hear a lot of talk, not seeing a lot of 
full action or maybe pieces, bits and pieces being integrated. But talk about where that's going and maybe make that distinction. Talk about integration versus coordination because it's one thing to integrate the pieces. It's another thing to coordinate the elements. So talk about that. Where do you see as an industry? Where are we in that transition or that change? Uh, that's a good question. So we spend a lot of time thinking about integrations. So I'm glad you, you brought that up. In our time, 18 years in the business, one of the things we've seen is integrations never work the way that you say they are. Yes. It's always less. There's always over-promising and under-delivering. And it's very difficult to know who really integrates with what. There are a couple of firms in the space that do a good job, at least on their website, telling you here's what we integrate with and here's the data we pass back and forth to those firms. Right, right. Because you're lucky to even get a logo. Starting at the beginning of last year, we started doing in-depth deep dive on all the vendors in our space. There are over 434 of them currently. And we evaluated all of the integrations that every single vendor had. There was over 4,500 separate individual integrations. And we created what we're calling the Ezra Group Wealth Tech Integration Score. And the reason we did that was twofold. One is to provide transparency because there really isn't a lot of it. And you really have, it's really hit or miss. And yeah. our wealth management clients were telling us when we're picking vendors, we don't find out what their integrations are until we sign the contract. And they were right, surprised. Right. And we want to know beforehand. So this is a tool that can be used by wealth management firms to help when they're making the decision between different software, how well they integrate. It's a, it's a zero to 10 score or a one to 10 score that defines how well the firm integrates, that the application integrates with every other application in our space. Gotcha, gotcha. And the other part of that score, the reason we built it was to help drive better integrations. We want every vendor to have at least a couple of integrations with some key applications that are bi-directional, that are easy to implement, that are well-documented, that are supported, because that's also an issue that you get an integration or maybe you have some APIs and you find no one's ever used them before or they're not documented. There's no sample code. I don't know how to use this. So that's yeah, we're trying to yeah. push for transparency and more robust integrations. So the difference there is that it's still difficult. It's still opaque. And we're, we're working to try to provide a little light on this subject. So you raise an important point. You probably more than anyone else I know in the industry, there's probably a few others, people you know, colleagues, competitors to what you do. And there's one thing to integrate the elements. And then my other distinction is then coordinating that. So there's a data flow from aggregation to planning to proposal to implementation to ongoing portfolio management, rebalancing transitions, income generation, so on. There's a flow to all that. And the distinction we make at Lifefield is it's one thing to have integrated capabilities. It's another to have coordinated capabilities where that data flows, where you consider things like cost and risk and tax as part of that, maybe social security, maybe Roth conversion, there's a whole bunch of other elements that you might consider as you're coordinating these various elements all around two things, at least as we see it, uh, improved user experience and then improved financial outcomes. So talk about your view on that trend, that trend line where we're seeing that across the industry where not just about connecting what exists, but then coordinating in such a way as to improve outcome and the user experience. Yeah, that, those are two very different issues. So when it comes to improving financial outcome, we don't have any control over that. Right, so we're just tech and ops. So we can help the wealth management firm implement the best technology for them and make it work well. But of course, we can't, we don't influence how their financial outcomes work. Right. So mm-hmm. we can set up a rebalancer that, that does great and it's scalable and can manage, you know, all their accounts with very little input. But the way they set it up is up to them. So mm-hmm. they can rebalance mm-hmm. once a year, twice a year, or a thousand times a year. We have no control sure. over that. So yep. we yep. would prefer that they, we're hoping that all the firms we're working with 
are looking for improved financial outcomes with their technology. But yep. you know, so yep. if you go back to in terms of coordinated between the different applications, when all things are being equal, now it's better for us you know, as a consultant. If you pick one vendor for everything, um, or rather you pick one vendor for each individual piece, then we got to come in and help you integrate across sure, 10 sure. different vendors, which sure, is a nightmare. Sure. Uh, we, we make a, we make a mint. Uh, but you know, there's, it's, it's rare that you, you have that many vendors when it comes to the, the core, um, of an advisor's workflow from, mm-hmm. but as you mentioned, proposal to implementation to rebounds and to trading to billing. Oftentimes it's, it's a single vendor or just maybe two vendors. So there isn't as much communication between but we do see some vendors some firms and we often recommend if you don't have a good it staff or you don't want to spend a lot of money on technology it is better in the long run to go with one vendor that does everything uh, all else being equal uh, i mean of course best of breed is oh it could be better uh, depending on what look what you're looking for what capabilities you're looking for and where you, where you think your value added is as a business but it's going to cost you a lot of money and it's going to be very difficult to integrate and you're going to have data problems out the wazoo as they yep, say. So yep. you're integrated versus coordinated is, is very well put. That's why we also why we have the score because you can have an integration. A vendor says we integrate, but if, it does, if it's not a two-way integration, if the data that's being passed between those systems isn't something you need, then it's useless. So I use uh, Pershing X as an example of what I'm seeing. I'm sure you're seeing the same as being smart about what the future holds. I'm curious what your thoughts are. I mean, they're, they're a model of trying to build it right from the get-go. In fact, they set up a separate business unit to do so and have a great leader, in my estimation, with Ainsley. Where do you see the world going? It seems like people are catching on where all the folks we talk to are all moving in that direction of not just integration, but coordination and trying to get to that better outcome, financial outcome and user experience. We have a number of clients working on that daily across the spectrum, actually, in terms of asset managers, wealth managers, annuity companies, what have you. What's your view? Where's it all headed? What does that look like over the next few years? Well, I think all the major vendors see it as you're seeing it. I mean, InvestNet has been talking about financial wellness for over five years mm-hmm. now and, and talking about how you deliver better outcomes. And they've been expanding their feature set way beyond just portfolio management into launching a number of different uh, marketplaces, such as the insurance marketplace, Credit mm-hmm. marketplace, risk marketplace, uh, sure. uh, trust marketplace, they are also thinking the same way as you are, that advisors need to be more holistic about uh, how they approach clients' financial lives. And they're providing tools and capabilities for those advisors who want to take you know, grab the brass ring of, hey, we can help you with everything mm-hmm. and do it mm-hmm. all in one place. And mm-hmm. they were one of the few vendors who I thought could deliver on that because of their, their size and their market share, that they could be the ones who could launch an insurance portal whether insurance marketplace and get the insurance vendors to play along because mm-hmm. most insurance companies, they're like, uh, if you remember the old days of PCs, every PC vendor tried to get a little bit different, made the system very, a little bit different from everyone else with different chips and different connections, different components. So you really couldn't compare them to each other. It was a little bit different. Well, insurance companies do the same thing. It's very difficult to compare policies, even with all the policy illustrations. And what, what investment did with their insurance marketplace is said, you've got to come into these categories. You've got to give us this data. And we're going to show you side by side. Sure. They made it such you can now compare right across three, five, Mm -hmm. ten insurance plans or policies, annuities, whatever you're looking at, and look at these key pieces of information all on one screen. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. So those types of tools are helping a lot. And of course, Orion is doing something similar. They're very much focused on behavioral finance and trying to help advisors nudge their clients in the right direction and also providing tools and technologies to do that. So I think the industry is going 
towards more coordinated advice and offering. Of course, it's in their best interest to, to sell you more stuff, sure. especially when they're as popular as Orion and Investment and Pershing. Morningstar is doing the same thing. Yep. They're all trying yep. to come up with new tools, new integrated technologies, new ways to sell other parts of their business distribution. But I think a lot of people are, are trying it. And there's no one right or wrong way to do this. And because everyone, as Eric Clark, the future former CEO of Orion, once said, you meet one advisor, you met one advisor. Yes, yes. Right, so they all, they all want a little different. And broker-dealers yep. are the same. They, they all want it a little bit different. And we do things yep. like this. Yep. And can, you, can you change it for us? So there's a lot of, lot of things going on out there. And Persian World is just one example of a vendor seeing that, hey, we want to save advisors time. We want to have an integrated solution. We want to really focus on you know, giving them all the tools so they can you know, be their best advisor. And their clients can be their best and you know, live their best financial life. Yeah. yeah that, that's my, my take as I was seeing the Wolf announcement. I'm like, ah, I've been thinking that the competition, the game is on. That's just another example of people saying, oh, now we can point at something that we got to beat that. And so I think my sense is that, love your thoughts. My sense is that that's the game is on to how can I not only integrate, but coordinate to improve the experience, to prove outcomes. I do think that's another critical part. I know that we work on that daily, that you can actually improve outcome. And so for another time and another discussion, but that seems to be where it's headed. I'm just curious your thoughts on that. It's always been that way, Jack. I mean, person is just the latest vendor to, to, you know, I've been in the industry in wealth. It's been in financial services over 30 years. And specifically wealth management for 18 years. And there are vendors we all know have come and gone and you know because they didn't move fast enough to, to keep up. They didn't yep. try to change and do their best. Yep. And yep. so and everyone is, is working hard to stay on top and, and to try to come up with new things. And I mean, we, we uh, I'm involved in some of that with some of the, our vendor work. They call us when they're looking to to new for new products, whether it's direct indexing, whether it's launching you know custody platforms or integrating custody into other systems. We we get a lot of calls. We get a couple calls a year for that to help figure out the strategy. So I wouldn't say the game is on just because Persian Wove is in town. It's, it sure. hasn't changed. It's just it's just another vendor which we are happy with because we want more choices good, and it's going to force other vendors to keep improving, as and that's all that's better for the industry as a whole. I'm with you 100%. It's just more puts a, a name to it with a big name behind it. So Correct. Yeah. So, Craig, as uh, we look to wrap up, I'd like to ask your thoughts on maybe three takeaways from our discussion. You covered a lot of ground. So uh, what are three key takeaways? Oh, we can't wrap up already, Jack. Come on. We just got started. I, well, it's a half-hour show. <laughs> and we're getting close. <laughs> no worries. I can talk. Your consultants can talk, I'll tell you. Yeah, sure. So I'll give you three things for wealth management firms. So if you are an enterprise wealth management firm, one thing we always recommend is set up an annual tech stack review. Get the stakeholders from all across the company and just even just for a couple hours, if you could do a couple days, even better, and go top to bottom through your tech stack. Just look at it. Say, are we happy with this vendor? Are there any issues we're having with this product? What's our concerns? And maybe you don't change a thing. Maybe you go, yeah, everything's fine. We're happy with everything. But yeah. maybe you don't. But you know, I find firms don't, who don't do that, and um, they tend to be disconnected. And different groups think different things, and no one's coordinated. And when they finally bring us in, we spend a lot of time just bringing everyone together. Now you talk, now you talk. What do you think? What do you think? And they're all, and sure. we're like a therapist, right? You need to do that first. We can help you, or you can do it on your own. But at least annual tech stack review is one thing I recommend. Two, talk to your vendors. Don't ignore them. Don't just keep you know paying them every month and just forget about it. Call them up at least also once a year, every other year. 
bring them in, say, are we using your product well? Do you have any new features we don't, we're not using? Most firms, advisory wealth management firms, enterprise, most of the software they're using, they're barely using 20% of the feature functionality. But you're paying for 100%. So you're not going to be able to use all of it, but you'll use more of it if you think about it. And if you, you talk to the vendors and say, here's how we're using your product. Is this the right way to use it? Uh, how can we do it? Because uh, how can we do it better? A lot of firms will do a training, a couple weeks of training for their staff and then forget about it. Never see it mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. And that's the wrong way to do it. You want to you think about your software as something you need to reinforce on a regular basis. Make sure your staff's using it. Make sure they're using it efficiently. Make sure they're not creating manual processes to work around issues that they don't know about or that they ran into. And that's something we also find. So please talk to your vendors and ask them about integrations. Anything new that's come up? Are there are new integrations they've got available that you can now plug into other tools you have and save some time, provide some more data to your advisors? You got to talk to your vendors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And third, this is a new cutting edge trend we've seen. Everyone, every wealth management firm out there, do not put your private company data into chat GPT or any of these GPTs, whether it's Google Bard or anything. If you let these things into your building, your employees are going to do it. They're going to take internal company documents. They're going to take internal company spreadsheets. They may even take client PII and paste it into chat GPT. Once you do that, they now own that data and they can use it to generate new content for someone else. Interesting. There was just a... Samsung just was announced they fired three employees or there were three employees that were pasting company code, proprietary company code wow. into ChatGPT because it can look for bugs in the code. But now that code is now public. You know, and then they can, now ChatGPT can build because it can, it can write code as well. And they were punished for that. Uh, so you don't get into that situation. Don't be on the, in the news because you, you put your, your client's PII or other information you don't want public into yeah. any, any generative training model. You know what we should do, Craig, and we will do, is uh, have you back to talk about that whole phenomenon, that trend. Here are all the words, all the people talking about it. No one seems to know what they're talking about from what I could see. It seems all over the place. I just did a panel at, at the Persian conference. I just came from Persian Insight, and my panel was on emerging technology. We had five things to talk about. We only talked about AI the whole time. Sure, so, sure. Happy yeah, to come back. Yeah, I'd love to have you come back. Just the practical reality of what you just talked about, and then, but also where it's going, because it's you're hearing a lot of people. I can tell the people talking about don't know what they're talking about. I don't either, to be honest. But I know enough to know I don't know. <laughs> so that's important. A very fraught and challenging and exciting opportunity. But I think there's going to be a fair amount of messes that are made uh, just based on what you just shared. Hey, that's a huge trend. Hey, that's a huge trend. It's going to change everything. But make sure you know what you're doing first. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, Craig, it's been a real pleasure, as always, to uh, spend this time with you. We do this. Uh, my favorite part of the show is this one that's coming up, which is my favorite question around, what do you do outside of work that you're excited or passionate about that people might find interesting or surprising? Jack, I am a little known in fact. I'm a black belt in karate. I'm a black belt in something called Okinawan Goju-ru, which wow. is a uh, hybrid Chinese-Japanese style of karate that came from the island of Okinawa. Uh, it's about 150 years old, and uh, that's something I. That's what I do when I'm not uh, behind my laptop. So, how long have you been doing that? 23 years. Wow! Wow! Cool. Dan, do you t- teach it as well, or is it just something you do for your your own play? I was teaching for you know some kids' classes for a while, but I'm just too busy. I'm I'm lucky when I can get to the dojo three times a week for myself. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Good for you. It's one of the things I enjoy about this show is we find out really interesting stuff that you would never would have expected. So now, I would teach you, Jack. If you want some if you want a lesson, I'm happy to teach you the next time we go. <laughs> well, we'll see about that one, but I appreciate the offer. So Craig, thanks so much. 
Thanks, Jack. This has been great for our audience. If you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and share what we're doing here at Wealth Tech on Deck. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. Craig, thanks again. It's been a real, a real pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Take care, Jack. Great talking to you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wealth Tech on Deck, our ongoing conversation about improving financial outcomes for all. This podcast is brought to you by Life Yield and produced by Reverb. Subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can connect with our host, Jack Sherry, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And for more information about our perspective on the future of financial advice, visit our website at lifeyield.com.